Welcome to the Rainbows and Rain podcast, the podcast for early interventionists. My name is Erica and I'm an ECSE teacher in Minnesota. This podcast is about connecting through stories and reflecting on our practices during visits. Listen as I share how I try to put best practice and research to work on real visits. I hope this podcast helps you connect and reflect on your own visits and interactions with families. The podcast is also on Instagram, so check us out at rainbows underscore rain underscore podcast. Welcome to what is episode 22 of the Rainbows and Rain podcast. And I was inspired by this episode uh, from a coworker who we kind of chatted and stopped in the hallway for a bit last week and she was describing a situation I think all of us have and that is one where it's really difficult to get the parents to engage or the caregivers to engage on the visit and she told me she's like I'm really trying hard to kind of stick with my coaching and to do the best I can but it's it's just really, really hard. She was looking for something she could pair with what she was trying to explain to the family. So, you know, trying to explain the model, trying to explain the services that she was providing and the intervention strategies she wanted to help implement um, with the family. Uh, and I'm just using her as an example, but honestly, I I have a family right now kind of a little bit like that. So mom is, she has a baby and I have the two and a half year old. I do have concerns about the baby. Um, she is almost a year and I can't even look at her without having her completely cry every single time on every single visit. They're a little bit newer. I've had only half a dozen visits with them. But so I typically engage her son because she has to console her daughter. And so I'm having to kind of model and narrate a lot of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and then try and involve her without getting the baby upset. So it's a really tricky balance um, on that visit. And like my coworker was telling me, it, it was just hard to. So she was looking for something that she could visually share with the family that kind of explained what she was trying to do with them. And I think I'm going to use this too. So I kind of went digging a little bit into the FGRBI website. If you haven't been there recently, they've added a lot of new and really cool handouts and tip sheets and information. So I kind of, you know, shared with her, I would start there and see what you can find on the website. And then I kind of went on there too, because I'm like, I'm curious too. Um, It just got me thinking about the family I have too. And we all have these families where it's just really hard to, to engage them for, for whatever reason, you know. Um, in my situation, I have a lot of concerns about the baby too, and I think we're going to need to do a referral, but, um, you know, one step at a time. Okay. 
So on the FGRBI website, so it's FGRBI.com. And of course, as we all know, FGRBI stands for Family Guided Routines-Based Intervention. But they have this, they have a couple blank handouts you can use. One with stairs and one that has a triangle. I'm going to be honest, I don't like the one with the stairs. I think it's a little confusing and there's too many steps. I'm a very simple, straightforward person. So I want something simple and easy to explain because the easier that is, the easier it is going to be for the family to implement it. So I like the triangle one. And if you're looking for it, it's under natural learning opportunities. And there's some examples of ones. And then there is a blank one. So uh, picture a triangle. And at the very top of the triangle, the smallest section, it says place. And then the middle section says activity. And then at the bottom, where you have the most room, is learning opportunities. So what my coworker and I are going to try and do is possibly use this. I haven't used it yet, um, but I really want to, is use this handout on a visit, fill it out with the family. This could almost act like your joint plan too, to be honest. Um, if you want to keep things really simple and just print paper copies or upload it and type it on, type on it, whatever you want to do, but it keeps things really simple for the family, uh, and it involves them more. So for example, you could take this out and say you're in the living room which a lot of times that's the first place we all go is the living room. And so right there, place, living room at the top. Activity. Tell me some things you guys do. So this is me talking to the caregiver now. Tell me some things you guys do in the living room. And, you know, you can go through What are some things they do? Now, let's say they say, well, he just plays or she just plays and there's their toys and, you know, so forth. So there's not really any type of engagement happening in the living room. Then I would back up and start with where in the home is it, you know, where you naturally would engage with him or her? Would it be in the kitchen Would it be in the bathroom? Start to get them thinking. There's obviously opportunity to engage with the child in the living room, but it's not happening right now, let's say. Um, So then force, not I don't like the word force, but encourage the caregiver to really think about like all the places in the home or where the child goes that you could identify an activity that you guys do together. And from that activity, as the early interventionist, you help point out those learning opportunities. Now I want to go back to the idea about the living room. So let's say they're just describing like, well, he or she, you know, plays over there. 
you know, this, that, and the other. Let's say they're just really having a hard time coming up with an activity. Start brainstorming a little bit with them. Like, do you have Johnny clean up in the living room? Does Johnny put his toys away? Is there something Johnny always wants in the living room? Um, you know, try and just kind of start brainstorming because sometimes it's really difficult for families to see the opportunities they have in front of them until we start kind of pointing things out and kind of breaking down what's in the environment, what's in the place, and what activities or routines occur in that place. Do you change their diaper in the living room? Do you change their clothes in the living room? Uh, what do you do in, what are all the different things you do in that living room? Um, kitchen obviously is a great place for routines. The problem my coworker was having was she was trying to identify routines such as mealtime and, you know, to try and find some opportunity where this child could request or this child could say something because that's what the family wanted to focus on. However, when she brought that routine up, the caregiver would just say, well, we set out his food and he just comes and eats it whenever. And they seemed pretty satisfied with that routine. So part of the the trick is here, and I think where this triangle and this handout might help is start just kind of holding families maybe more accountable and getting them to think about what opportunities they have right in front of them. So I posted this on Instagram just a little bit ago, but it was about asking reflective questions that engage caregivers. So one question that came to mind when I was talking with my coworker was, well, if they want him to talk, have them come up with the words they want him to say. And possibly from those words, that might lead to a learning opportunity or some place where they can engage in something with you during the visit and in between visits. Okay, so along with that piece of treasure from the FGRBI website, there is also what's called a tip sheet on there and it's called eight concepts from adult learning you can use to support caregivers and i really like this they shouldn't really call it a tip sheet because it's more than one page it's four pages but it's really really helpful and very visual and it really helps you kind of envision how this should really look and work and how this can work on visits with families. So again, if you are struggling to engage the caregiver on a visit, then try and reflect on those adult learning strategies and see what you can focus on that can maybe drive more engagement. So the first one they list in their tip sheet is, Learning opportunities, especially those that help them understand their child's development and learning needs, 
will be appealing to many parents and caregivers. And I think about my visit with um, the mom, the baby, and the two-and-a-half-year-old. And he is really just in that pre-linguistic phase. We are working on eye gaze and kind of getting him to look uh, when we talk, when we pause, before we give him something. He's just very difficult to engage. So uh, many needs many needs there. Um, and very, you know, kind of more, um, self-directed, but I can engage with him when it's something he wants to do and, and mom too. So this, this happened a little bit on a visit, but, um, with him where he's just like constantly like avoiding her, the mother to get what he wants in the kitchen and to the point where he'll go to the garbage first to get something to eat versus um, go through her. And no, it's not, um, there is no like signs of child abuse or anything like that. He is just that avoidant of her. So that's been really interesting to watch. So we've had to talk a lot about um, just getting him to look at us if we want him to listen to us because of course she's saying no and stop and kind of chasing him and doing other things we also talked about structuring the environment a little bit differently so those kind of situations can be avoided and you know for example like digging into the trash and things like that Um, but again, going back to this point, like getting them to understand their child's development and learning needs and finding those opportunities where, okay, if he wants something to eat before you give it to him, we're going to hold it up by your face. So he just looks at you and we're going to reward that looking. That's the very first thing we're going to work on and the very first thing we're going to do before we can expect things like imitation um, vocally or physically or anything like that. Okay, um, moving quickly on to the tip sheet where it says number two, trust is central to the teaching and learning relationship. I think that's 100% true. I really try... To, and I've just noticed this lately in my practice on visits, especially with new families, is really kind of work on that rapport. So, you know, sharing personal things without getting too personal, if that makes sense. So just trying to connect with them on some level, um, whether it's like hobby or something I see in their home or a current event or something that's happening in the community, whatever it is, try and connect with them and make a relationship with them first and be intentional about that. And don't think that it's like, oh, but then that's, you know, we're taking away from time from the child. You're not, you're, you're building a solid foundation with that caregiver and relationship. And again, that trust is just key. So you'll you know, get a lot more, you'll cover a lot more grounds if there's a solid trust and foundation there for that. Um, Adults, number three, adults learn best when expectations are clear. 
Oh my gosh, absolutely, 100%. I'll never forget the first visit um, I had with a family. I could just see the anxiety in this mom just like all balled up in her. And, you know, we had the, I, she, you know, we did the eval, we had the IFSP meeting. Here I am on our very first visit. And I sat down and she kind of just with these really big eyes and, you know, almost like, um, forced smile. She just was like smiling at me and I, she was just very tight and clenched and we were both on the couch and he was playing on the floor. And I just said, let's talk about what's going to happen on visits and what visits look like. And once I did that, oh my gosh, I almost saw the anxiety in her melt away. It was, it was amazing. So um, I, I 100%, it's easy for us too. like, we know what to do when expectations are clear of us. We know what due process to do. We know what things we need to do in our jobs behind the scenes when our supervisors are, make expectations clear of us too. So number four, habits and beliefs take time and reasons to change. So this, this is hard. This, this is a hard one. So like my coworker said, I, you know, they told me that I tried to talk about feeding and eating and I tried to talk about that routine and, and how we could implement some things, but they just put his plate down at the table and he just kind of comes and eat whenever he wants. That habit is going to be really hard to change because number one, it's really easy. Um, And number two, they don't maybe really see the point in changing it. So my advice in this scenario and what's, you know, what it's been like for me is go really, really slow. I have, I'm kind of talked about this family and this little guy before on visits, but um, he will line up his toys all around the room and it will go up and down objects. And honestly, it doesn't even have to be toys. One time it was spoons um, or a whole bunch of caps to those uh, like pouches, those kid pouches and things like that. I mean, anything and everything, every piece, every toy, every object he could find, it was going in a line. And that line could stretch on for, oh, God, I would say a good 20 feet if you're going around a room um, and up and down objects, up and down the couch and up and down tables. Uh, it's really interesting, and I can tell he's really content with doing this. And mom, yeah, he just, you know, he just loves that line. He likes to make that line. He'll do that forever. He'll do that all day. And I have no doubt that while it's not a lot of very functional play, I also know this is a habit of his. Um, it's organizing. It's calming. It's uh, it's just what he's doing. And f- 
for the most part, from a parent perspective, he's keeping himself busy so she can get housework done or get laundry folded or whatever it is. Um, Because parents have tons of things to do. And if there's something that's going to entertain their child for a while, um, they're going to, you know, and it's safe and it's fine. It's, you know, why change it? So she hasn't been super interested in wanting to change this line. So what I've tried to do over time is try to shape this activity into something a little bit different when she is playing with him because she does and she wants to work with him um, and do things is let's change the line. Let's load the line in a truck. Let's have you make the line versus he make the line. Let's put tape on the floor and see if we can get him to restrict his line to only the length of the tape, uh, which she did try and she really liked that idea. It, it didn't hasn't worked so far. We might need to make that tape longer. I'm not sure. So anyways, just know that even though you talk about something once and I think about sleep. Sleep is a big, (laughs) that's a big habit, right? And parents will talk about it, talk about it, and they'll complain about it and they'll want to change it. But again, it's all about kind of the, like the comfort level with the parent or the caregiver and how they feel about those habits um, and what they're willing to change. And again, that all takes time. Okay, I'm going to scroll down quickly to number five. Learning less can result in more change when it fits within established patterns of interaction. I 1000% agree with this. I think less, I think more can be done with less um, than vice versa. So for example, I had my visit today with the the two and a half year old, the mom and the baby who cries when I look at her. And I honestly, he, he started a line too. This is a, a different kiddo, but he was starting a line. His doesn't go as long, um, but he started a line and I took a box and I covered his line. And I'm being super animated and I'm like, where did it go? Where did it go? And I'm waiting and I'm, you know, just kind of waiting for him just to look up at me so I can uncover his line of toys. And mom's watching this as I'm modeling for her and I'm explaining to her, let's see what he does. We want him to look before I uncover the toys. And of course, he eventually looks and I uncover the toys and there they are, peekaboo, peekaboo trucks, peekaboo toys. And he took one car or like one object out of the pile. I quickly covered it with the the box again. Same thing. Same routine. Where did they go? Where is it? Where are they? Where's the trucks? Where is it? Peekaboo. Okay, sorry, I got interrupted for a second. So we did the same interaction over and over again him taking out one toy from the pile as I uncovered it with the box, but only after he looked at me. So once we did all the toys in the pile and there was nothing left to uncover, I turned and looked at mom and I said, 
we did that 10 times, 10 times, 10 opportunities he had to look at me just by playing that simple peekaboo game with a box and a pile of toys. Okay, number six, adults learn best by applying the content to relevant problems and and systematically and sequentially. Absolutely. So again, I think the key here is relevant problems systematically and sequentially. I think about, ooh, I have this little girl. She uh, is almost three. We're working on the gait trainer with her. She has multiple needs. She's really good with the gait trainer. She walks really well with it. The problem is she will not get into it on her own and she won't get out of it onto her on her own. So that transition and we're talking about like even if the gait trainer is right next to the couch where she feels the safest cruising, just her moving her hand six inches to, you know, and taking one step into the great trainer is so, it's just so hard for her. She cries, she whines, she screams. She just does not want to do it. So we've had to back it all the way up to putting her in front of the gate trainer like her parents typically do and placing her hands on the gate, on the handles in front of her um, to, okay, we're going to put her in the gate trainer we are not going to physically put her hands on the handles for her. That is something she can do. So again, we've had to take that problem and we've had to kind of backwards chain it a little bit with the very last step in the sequence, the very last step in the routine we're going to put on her to do. So again, systematically and sequentially relevant problem. Okay, I think there's two more. So adults tend to teach others the way they like to learn or have been taught. I also agree with this. This is great. Um, Find out what, you know, as you're building that rapport with your families and caregivers, find out a little bit about their background, what their special interests are. I'll never forget the mom who compared what I was trying to explain to her with her experience with puppies Um, or find out how best they learn in school or ask them, you know, do you do you like things shown to you? Do you like to read about things? Do you like to talk about things or do you just like to jump in and do them? So I think that's really key there. Adults tend to teach others the way they like to learn or have been taught. So again, if you are only using one style of intervention, one way with all of your families, you're not thinking about all the diverse learning, uh, learning styles you're working with when it comes to adults. Uh, last one, active learning opportunities increase adult participation. Uh, I think that is pretty straightforward. Um, Look for ways to invite the caregiver to practice 
to to do the work too. Um, I just got done with uh, a student teacher and we were talking about visits and the structure of visits and the flow of visits. And I couldn't emphasize enough to her, like look for those opportunities. Look for those opportunities when you're in the home, when you're talking with parents and caregivers and ask those questions. Do you want to try that right now? Or how would that look? Or I wonder, or what do you want to do right now? So when you, when you have those active learning opportunities, um, they are in your, you know, they're leading, you're looking for the opportunities, but they're really trying to lead you where they, where they're struggling. Um, So I thought that was really good too. So check out this tip sheet, check out the website. I'll link it in the episode description so you can kind of click on it. There are just really great resources on here. There's an intro letter to early intervention for parents, which I think is wonderful. Um, I've started using it um, at IFSP meetings and at first visits. So check it out. We all have those families that are really hard to engage with. And our job, I think, is just to find that trick or that hook that's going to pull them in. So again, thank you for listening to this episode of Rainbows and Rain. The podcast is now on Instagram, so you can check that out at rainbows underscore rain underscore podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. That is greatly appreciated. Thanks again. And I hope you check out another episode of Rainbows and Rain.